Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, he is here. The radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 332, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we're going to dazzle and entertain you. We got a great conversation coming your way with our ESPN Cowboys insider, Todd Archer. We now know it is a Monday night football game with Troy Aikman on the call, Joe Buck for the Cowboys and the Bucks. Monday night in Tampa for the wild card playoff round. We're going to dive into that, take a look there. But first, we, we need to offer this because if you've been hurt in the car accident, if you went to go play a college football national title game in California and got ran over and ran over and ran over, maybe you and TCU should call Robert Greening. Robert Greening, he'll go to bat for you. Robert Greening is probably what the Horn Frogs needed before they attempted to take on Georgia on their own. I mean, that game was a great analogy for what Robert Greening can do for you. Because if you don't have Robert Greening, the insurance companies just abuse you. You don't know what you're doing. You walk out on the field and you look like you're completely lost and aren't even supposed to be in the game. But with Robert Greening, everything's different. And the consultation's absolutely free, which if you think you've got a case, you might as well call them and find out. Nah, man. I mean, Matt has told you guys a lot over the last few years about what uh, Greening Law can do for you and what they've done for him. And the main thing is, man, that this is kind of a long, complicated, tedious process, as you can attest to. And Greening Law is just the kind of partner you want to hold your hand and walk you through a process like this. So if you're involved in a situation like Matt, whether it's an accident at a business or a friend's home or someone else's home, uh, pick up the phone and give him a call, 972-934-8900. Tell them your situation, and they'll say, hey, uh, we think it's a good fit, or no, we don't. We wish you well, but they don't get paid unless you get paid, so it's a call that you need to make. That's exactly right. There's the number, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. It's here, man. There are 14 teams who will now vie for the Lombardi Trophy that will be awarded on, what is that, February 12th in Glendale, Arizona. Super Bowl is a little bit over a month away. And the Cowboys are one of those teams, as Bill Parcells used to say, get in the tournament. They're in the tournament. 
They're the five seed after that crap that you and I talked about that we saw on Sunday. You flushed it down, and and now you start looking into this, and you start trying to find ways. I do think it's interesting, and I get it, because the majority of Cowboys fans are pessimists, and you have that negativity that you carry with you, and I understand reasons why. But man, when you look at this, it, it, you see some of the people talking about this, and, and I mean, Tampa Bay is an eight and nine team for a reason. They finished with a losing record for a reason. Dallas is 12 and five, and yes, they were four and four on the road, and yes, they looked, I mean, to a man, they looked like they, they were not NFL players on Sunday against Washington. But this is a good Cowboys team that has beaten good teams, that is capable of playing at a level that I just, I, I don't know that Tampa has that level that the Cowboys can reach in that team this year. Well, I think the, the, the question is, uh, we're going to get the Cowboys A game right. or we're going to get their C or their D game? Because if they play their A game, yeah, uh, they'll win. When's the last time we saw the Cowboys A game? Real talk. Man, it's been a while because I, 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 I honestly, I don't know that we've seen it in the last month. I don't know if we, honestly, I don't know if we've seen it since early December when they just absolutely obliterated the Colts. And but see, even that was about a fourth quarter. That was even that wasn't a complete start to finish performance. Well, then then uh, you'd probably have to go back to, you know, they were really good against the Giants. That on Thanksgiving, I thought they were really good against the Giants. The Giants, you know, the end game score, I don't think was necessarily indicative of how how good the Cowboys played in that game. Okay. You know, they held Saquon. They, they played well defensively. They had a couple of takeaways. As a matter of fact, I believe that's the last game that Dak did not throw an interception. Okay, so that was uh, seven games ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, they play, if they're going to play their A game, then they'll win. We just haven't seen it. We've seen them play well offensively. We've seen them play, play well defensively. We haven't seen them put it all together. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, man, uh, you know, the special teams have been good all year to me. They sucked the other day. My God, they, you couldn't be worse. No, you really couldn't. So maybe that's their worst performance of the year. But, you know, uh, it's not, you know, here we go. It's not my job to have hope, faith and optimism that you're going to figure it out and pop out of the doldrums that you've been in. Because uh, based on what we've seen. Now, Tampa ain't been a whole lot better, but but we're talking about the Cowboys. Based on what we've seen, it hasn't been impressive. Yeah, and, and I just looked this up just to verify. But, yeah, I forgot. Dak threw a couple of picks on Thanksgiving. It was the week before against Minnesota that he didn't have any interceptions, where the offense did not turn the ball over at all. And that began that streak that Dak is in that – you can't do those things, man. And that I think that's part of the problem for me is that what we have seen, the trends that have developed in the last month of the season, the cornerback position opposite Anthony Brown horrifies me against a team that passes more than they run. Tampa's the worst rush, rushing offense in the NFL. We know Tom Brady is going to see that. They're going to test it early. And I don't care who it is. It's obvious if it's Nashawn Wright, if it's any of these new guys that they have that they can rotate in, it's obvious that that is a huge hole for them. And if I'm Tampa, you sit there. If you're the Cowboys, you say, all right, Diggs, do everything you can on Diggs. I want you to follow Evans. Just stick on him. Do everything you can. And if I'm Tampa, I tell Mike Evans, hey, man, 
probably not catching a pass today because Chris Godwin's on the other side and we're going to light up whoever Dallas puts on him. That horrifies me in this matchup. The other thing I can't put my finger on, you go back the last month and really the last five weeks for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, collectively they might have put together some decent numbers, but overall, Tony Pollard in his last four games, 45 carries for 155 yards, that's 3.4 per. Zeke Elliott in his last four games, 2.7 per. All of a sudden in the last month, this Cowboys team, they really cannot consistently run the football. There's no explosion in the run game whatsoever. Like we all were like, hey, Tony Pollard, Pro Bowl player, he's explosive, look how he electrifies it. I think, what does he have, one run in his last four games of over 20 yards? There's not a lot. Uh, Some of it, there's no running room. I mean, and that's the problem. Like, it ain't like he got worse. There's just no holes there, man. And so they got to get that running game going. That's their identity. That's how they beat teams earlier in the year, setting up all their play action. And it's a it's a necessary part of their offense if they're going to win. And they just don't have that. And then obviously the other concerning thing that has developed, there's two, but the other one is the Dak Prescott thing, man. I get that you, when you're not throwing it to the other team, he's got a great completion percentage. He did have, I mean, they talked about it on the broadcast. He's had a good season. The problem is you didn't get paid this kind of money to have good seasons. You you got to up it. And, and he's got to take, the, the interceptions simply have to stop. They just have to stop. You can't get into a playoff game that I think most of us probably feel is going to be, you know, Dallas is favored by three. I, I think that's about right. This is going to be a one-score game. You can't throw a pick six. You can't throw two interceptions because you're forcing the ball that give Tampa Bay an opportunity. Because when you do that in the playoffs, you lose and you go home. This, this interception thing is just, it has to stop. Yeah, the problem, though, is, bro, you know, he says that every week. And, and yeah, he means it that, yeah, it does have to stop. But he hasn't stopped it. And so what happens is you got a guy who's, I don't know what he's doing. I've seen a couple theories, and I don't I just don't know. Because he's, he's not playing like the Dak we've seen for the first six years of his career. Mm. So, and, you know, so people have track records for reason. This is not, this is unlike anything in his track record. Uh, his previous long streak was four games. He's almost doubled that. So, but, you know, he's throwing in the coverage. He's making bad decisions. It's just, uh, maybe he's playing hero ball, man. Because he doesn't trust the offensive line or he doesn't trust something. And so it feels like he's got to make decisions. But you're right. It's got to stop ASAP because if it doesn't, they'll lose. And it's really that simple because here's the deal. Maybe this will help him now that I think about it. You know, Tom, Todd Bowles is a pressure guy. He brings pressure. Um, I don't think he brought a lot of pressure in the first game and it confused Dak and the Cowboys. Typically, he brings pressure. If he brings pressure, you got to make quick decisions. And the Cowboys and Dak have always been good against the Blitz. And maybe that'll help him. But if not, man, he's just got to be more patient and make better decisions. Something. And and finally, the other concern, and, and again, you have all these concerns all of a sudden out of the last month or so, but the Cowboys pass rush, which after the first 10 games, I believe, led the NFL, they had 42 sacks. They have 12 sacks in the last seven games. And all of a sudden, and, and Micah mentioned this, I saw a quote from him when he was asked about that he says the ball is coming out way faster there's not a lot of drop back more play action there's a lot more quick game against us we've got to expect that and change our game plan so I'll be curious to see if they do that because as we all know Brady is a guy who likes to get rid of the ball quickly anyway 
they don't have like some great offensive line, quite honestly. And you look at this, Tom Brady this year when he was pressured, not like he got pressured a lot, but his quarterback rating goes from 100 to 44.4. He threw five interceptions under pressure this year and his completion rate dropped to 44.4%. I mean, he he under pressure this year when teams are able to generate pressure, it's, I mean, the splits that he has from when he's pressured to when he's not this past season are, I mean, you're talking about goat Brady with a clean pocket and are you ready to retire when he gets pressured? This ain't nothing new. <laughs> it's been like that since the Giants beat him in the Super Bowl, man. It's, um, you have to you have to pressure him with four and drop seven and put him on his butt a couple times. And if you can do that, you can win. And if you don't, you're going to have a hard time winning. This is nothing new. They have to figure out a way to pressure and harass him and make him be uncomfortable. That's the whole game. If you don't, you have no chance. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's they do get the ball out quick. It's going to be very difficult to do that. They had, when they threw, 48% of their throws went for less than nine yards during the regular season. I mean, that's what Tampa Bay does. Brady's going to take his three-step drop, whatever it is, boom, get rid of the ball. And so Dallas is going to have to be ready for that. And if they do try to take some deep shots, maybe then you can get to them. This is going to be interesting. This is a really interesting matchup for the Dallas Cowboys. But that being said, I mean, it's just hard not to look at these teams. This is not GOAT Tom Brady. This is 45-year-old Tom Brady who, much like Aaron Rodgers this year, they're not elite-level quarterbacks anymore. They may have moments. They may have a series during a game where they play like that. But on the whole, it, it, it's hard to play at that. They're not Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen right now. They're just not. No. But they're capable no. of making those throws once or twice a game. And, and if that's the throw that beats you, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's going to be an intriguing game. I have zero idea how it's going to go because I have zero idea which Cowboys team will show up. Yeah, and that's the problem. That really yeah, is I mean, a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. It is because, I mean, it's, it's not just the Washington game for everybody. I mean, it, it's, you know, the Jacksonville game where the offense was doing everything in their power and the defense couldn't stop Jacksonville's offense. You know, and then obviously the interception pick six that wins the game there. It, it's the Houston game, which they look just kind of disinterested and blah. Even in the Titans game, for the most part, you kind of look at that and, and they just seemed a little off. And that's it. It's it's felt like this offense has been off for a couple of weeks and like the defense has been off for a bit longer. And part of that is because of the lack of pass rush. And it's just. I mean, what do you do when you're an NFL quarterback and you've got a quality wide receiver and he lines up and you drop back and you're like, oh, that dude was sitting on his couch a month ago. I'll throw it over there. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the truth. There's a reason why. Look, there's no like elite level cornerback that's out there for the Cowboys to go get. So they have to find these guys, you know, whether it's their fault or not, it's there's just nobody else out there that's available. And, and so they keep bringing in these dudes and and trying to make it work and trying to make it work. But my God, man, I mean, it's you can't have a repeat. And I just don't know how you stop that. Of, of a repeat of, of just getting picked apart and tortured and tortured. 
the way that whoever that they have thrown out there of the last few games that other corner spot it, 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 consistently at some point is going to give up a couple of bombs um you know i mean there's the reason why they play the game is you never know how it's going to turn out you never know if this is the right nishan right plays well or if you can get your running game going and you can control the ball and and play the clock a little bit or if you can get some turnovers uh, to slow them down and get a little confidence. What they need is a confidence boost. Uh, and if they can do that, everything else will fall in place. But they're, they're playing with a lack of confidence, especially on offense, man. And, you know, they got to get a better plan. Kevin Kellen Moore's yeah. got to do his thing. Yeah, and, and I don't know. And, and that's, to me, that's where it's just so hard to know what they roll out there on that other side and not think that, there's going to be a lot of activity on that side of the football where you have a player like, you know, it, and that's a, just a great example. Nation Wright wasn't cutting it, so, you know, or Kelvin Joseph wasn't cutting it, so they throw Nation Wright out there. They think that maybe they can do better than that, so they go out there and they try to sign Trayvon Mullen, who had gotten cut by Arizona earlier this year. And you look at a guy like that who has, he's been in the league, he was drafted in the second round in 2019, is already on his third team. And has done virtually nothing. I mean, he's done virtually nothing in the NFL. I mean, the Raiders are like, oh, we're good. And put him, got rid of him after three years. The Cardinals pick him up earlier this season for a seventh round pick. And he didn't even play. It wasn't even active in 10 games for him. They release him and, and then Dallas claims him. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll make a play and surprise us all, and it won't be as easy through the air as it feels like it might be for Tampa. Because this, to me, and I don't know that I'm like blown away by Tampa's defense or anything. I, I could see this being one of those games that ends up being a fairly high-scoring game where they're both you know, like a 31-28 type thing where it's like, okay, is anybody going to make a stop? I think it's a... Uh... It's, you know, Tampa, Tampa has been a weird team all year because they haven't played well. I think I told you this the other day. If, if not for the fourth quarter, dude, they, they probably would have won four games all year. Brady has turned it on quite a bit at the back end of the fourth quarter and rallied them to wins, which is why if Dallas can grab a lead and control the game, uh, they'll be in good shape. Uh, but, you know, they got to get some help from the defense. I think I told you the other day that I think it's flipped. It was a defensive special team. Defensive special teams is how they won early. Well, it's clear to me that because of injury, they don't have to win with offense late uh, this time of the year. It's got to be offense and special teams. Uh, it's got to guide them to victories. And, you know, bro, we just we got to see if they can do it. Only time will tell. We'll dive into it more and, and give you our final predictions coming up on the Friday podcast. But as we continue check out Bruce Biltong. I hope you've gotten an opportunity. If you haven't ordered it yet, I'm telling you, for those of you trying to change your eating habits here at the beginning of the new year, Bruce Biltong makes for a wonderfully healthy snack. No sugar, no artificial ingredients. It's lean South African air-dried meat. And that's what makes it such a great snack is you get a two-ounce bag. It's 240 calories, so it'll fill you up, but it's healthy at 30 grams of protein. Those are the types of snacks that you want. It's savory, it's tender, it's absolutely delicious. It's a snack ever since they started working with us, because I'd never heard of Biltong before. And they sent us some and I checked it out. I was like, holy crap. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have this at my house all the time because this is fantastic and I love how lean and healthy it is. 
Well, it's a great snack. Uh, you know, we like the uh, sliced biltong. It comes in a little pouch. Oh, it comes in a bigger pouch, too. Um, but it's sliced. You toss it in your mouth. It, I mean, it's unlike any beef jerky because it's not that you've ever tasted because you get all the good stuff that you want from a beef jerky type product, even though this is biltong. But you don't get it stuck in your teeth and all the other stuff, man. It comes with, with that dried meat. Um, dude, they take it from the buttocks. That's why it's uh, biltong. Mm-hmm. And then they cut it into strips. And it's delicious. What can I tell you? Try, trust us and thank us later. Yeah, man. Just check it out. It's bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Make sure you're using that promo code. You get 15% off your order. Jam15, J-A-M-15 at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, I was talking about this the other day with how much you've been driving, how important it is for you that you found a guy like JR over there at Freeway Tire Shop because, I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of miles that you logged just in the past few months, which means you got to get oil changes and you got to get your, your car checked out more often. And, and JR is a guy you can take it over there, drop it off, and you know you trust in what he's doing to it. I mean, that's why you that's why you ride with JR, man. Uh, like I told you, I took, uh, took my car over there last week because it had a uh, power steering pump issue. Basically, it blew up. Yeah. But uh, the, the thing about JR, man, is you can trust him to diagnose the issue because that's always number one. What the heck is wrong with my ride? And then number two, you can trust him to uh, use quality parts to fix it. You always can trust him to give you a fair price. Seriously. To me, that's a big deal. And then number four, bro, trust him to stand behind his work. I don't know what else you want from a mechanic. And if your guy or woman isn't doing that, then go right up the street, up 35 north to uh, Commonwealth. Get off, stay on the uh, service road, go through the light. He's right on the right. You can't miss him. And give JR an opportunity to fix your car. Uh, again, you can thank us later for that, too. It's FreewayTireShop.com. Online, you can schedule an appointment or request a quote. So a couple of things that I wanted to dive into here, just a, a little quick trip around the block. One and for those of you, and I used to make this drive constantly when I was going down to school down in San Marcos, but from Dallas or Fort Worth, we all know this, there is a 35E, and that's the one that goes up to Dallas, and there's a 35W, which is the one that goes to Fort Worth, and if you take them, then they end up merging into just 35 at Hillsboro, which is, what is that, man, about 45 minutes, an hour south yeah. of both cities. Right. Well, they just announced that right there in that area where those 235s merge, merge, they are building a Bucky's. I knew you were going to say that. Yep, because you no longer will have to drive down to Temple Belton to get to one. And I always thought, I was like, man, this is like, like the most sensible area to build one where these two massive 35s split. And you can build one right in that region. And so they are breaking ground on that. And, and that will be one of the newest Bucky's in Texas. Now, it'll take them forever to build it. It won't be open until 2024. But I mean, where's a better? I, I, I Bucky's just needs to take over and just build Bucky's everywhere. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that, per se. Uh, that's a great spot. But I don't know. There's something special about them not being everywhere. Yeah, I guess there's some truth to that, too. I mean, that's one of those things where... I mean, if they were like QT, would it really matter? I don't know. That's actually a really good question. Now, I will say, now, the fact that I live really close to one, and and I've said this before, I live closer to one now than I ever did when I lived in the DFW area, and we actually go over there fairly often because they have good deals. 
you know, you can get good snacks, but more than anything else, the gas is just the cheapest place in the area to go get gas. Oh, well, hell, that's a great reason to go. Yeah, man. And and so it's, I don't know. Bucky's is, there is a specialness to it. And I don't travel, like I don't drive nearly as much as you had been driving. But like, I wouldn't mind like anytime, like you've got a major stretch, like, like give me a Bucky's between here and Jackson. Give me a Bucky's between here and Atlanta because there's loves everywhere. And I'd much rather stop at a Bucky's than a loves. All right. All right. That's just how I feel about it. Hey, man. That's so the other thing I wanted to throw out is because you brought this up right before we started recording this afternoon. And in my head, I was like, man, you, you just you do not hear that every day because you're like, yeah, you know, I walked across the Brooklyn Bridge today <laughs> and I was like, all right. So the Brooklyn Bridge, how was that? Uh, it wasn't nearly as dramatic as you, as you might think it think it was. But uh, I didn't have a power cord for my computer. We did it by phone the other day. And yeah. so today I had checked Best Buy this morning to see if they had one. And since they did, you know, uh, uh, you could take an Uber over there, but I didn't want to spend any more money. <laughs> so it was about, it wasn't that far. It was about a mile. So I just decided, and it's cold, but it's not too cold. It's like 41 degrees today. But if you're walking, if your hands are covered up, it's not that bad. So I just took a walk and uh, went over the bridge, man, picked it up and then walked over the bridge back. So the Brooklyn Bridge obviously connects Brooklyn. Is that it connects to? Is it Manhattan that it connects to? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and it's. Um, I thought it was. Uh, oh hell, did I lie? You know what? That was not the Brooklyn Bridge. What? That it was, was some Bronx, other. It was it what? Was the Bronx. It was the Bronx Bridge. The Bronx Bridge. Yeah, I mean it was still a bridge. Definitely a bridge. Yeah, I mean there's all kinds of bridges over there. But it was. But I. But I thought about it because as, soon, as you were saying that. I remember that the sign said, not the sign, but there's something about the Yankee Yankee Stadium was not that far away. And I was like, oh, this is the Bronx Bridge. Yeah, and then I just took a picture in my head. So yeah, I'm sorry I got you all worked up. It was not the Brooklyn Bridge, it was the Bronx Bridge. I mean, everybody has heard of the Brooklyn Bridge. I don't know if I've ever heard of the Bronx Bridge. <laughs> well, now you have, and you've actually had a conversation about well, it. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wild, man. I mean. Because I was looking at it on a map, and it's because uh, everybody forgets that all those boroughs of the New York area are, you know, a lot of them are just divided by the East River and all that stuff. And I guess whatever that is, Flushing Bay, and there's so much like little, just little pockets of water up there that have all these bridges across it. Just kind of wild, man. I mean, I haven't been to New York in forever. I mean, that's, is it, is JFK the airport that you fly into and it looks like you're landing on water? No, you got, I mean, it might be, but you fly into LaGuardia. Uh, This is really the first time I flew into LaGuardia because um, when the Cowboys play, because the Giants are in Jersey, uh, we've always flown into um, Newark. Newark. Yeah. And then normally if we were coming over to the city, we just take a train over or drive over uh, if you got a a quality wheel man in charge. A quality wheel man. (laughs) Well, like, every, Sounds like, like you're gonna rob a bank. Well, you know, New York ain't a city for everybody to drive in. No, yeah, it makes you sense. You know, because it's a lot of traffic, it requires a lot of patience, and you got to think about it. We've only had quality navigation on our phones for maybe five or seven years. Yeah. So you're trying to drive in a city 
in the previous 15 years before that with no real navigation, trying to look at maps and I mean, and follow directions. I mean, it could be a disaster. Um, that being said, Clarence Hill was usually our, our New York City wheel man when we decided to come over. I'm sure that shocks you and surprises you. Yeah, I now, imagine now, that. You know, our other buddy Calvin Watkins is from New York City. Uh, so, you know, him driving is, is not a big deal either. It's just that normally he didn't like to rent the car because he didn't like the responsibility. That makes sense. Guess, Fair enough. I guess I'm telling everybody business now. Yeah, and I was just looking at it. Yeah, and it's LaGuardia is the one. Yeah, you're right. Where you, I mean, you were literally landing like, I mean, the runway looks like it's in the water. Oh, well, see the window. I, I didn't see that out the window the other day, and that could be a good thing. No, I remember that. Like, I, I must have been LaGuardia that I flew into the one time I went to New York, and I was like, okay, what the hell is this? And I'm like, I guess there's something to land on here. And then you're like, yep, okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to go back to New York. I need to get back up there at some point because I haven't been. The last time I went to New York was 2001, May. It, yeah, because it was four months before 9-11 was when I was up there. Well, then you should go again. I should. I need to because I'd like to experience it again and check it out. And I was only there for like two days. So, you know, I, I went to the Empire State Building and I went to the Toys, the FAO Shorts or whatever that's on the movie Big. <laughs> yeah, so that. you need to do all those touristy things. I do. I'd like to go and see more of it. I'd like to go Empire to Empire State Building, yeah. Times Square. I mean, you know, come up in Harlem and hang out for a little while. Yeah, do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, yeah, there's so many little pockets of it that, that make it fun. And then finally, before we get to our conversation with Todd Archer, we, we have to bring up what we saw on Monday night in what you've is... Just been, you've just been killing the frogs, man. I don't know why you're killing them. You, it's like you, you're personally just ripping them. Well, what happens is I just don't understand why people thought that they could win. And, and I just get so annoyed when you look at this. And I thought, man... Because I asked people, I said, look, if you truly believe TCU is going to win, cool, but please give me a reason. Like, what is a reason you believe that? And then people will just be like, because the media all want Georgia to win or, you know, because the sports gods don't like the SEC or I'm tired. I'm like, okay, well, those aren't real reasons. I mean, like, why do you think they can win? And I don't know. I just, obviously nobody would have anticipated that. I mean, right. and I didn't even realize this until this morning, that 58 points spread was that is the worst that any team has ever lost a bowl game of any type of bowl ever in the history of bowls. I never saw that coming. Like, I, th- I thought Georgia would win. Um, I, I thought they'd win unless they got some help. Yeah. Unless they, you know, some turnovers, some other, some unusual stuff. I thought they'd win something like, 38-17. I really did. That's what I said. That was literally my on-air prediction was 38-17. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I thought it would be somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. So check this out. So it's been a long couple days uh, up here before the game. And um, actually went to – I saw it and, you know, I dozed off during a commercial when the score was – let me see. 17-7. Okay, into the first quarter, right around there. Yeah. That's when I dozed off. Yeah. I did not wake up again until it was over. So, <laughs> I, so you got to understand me. So, check this out. So, I woke wow. up. And then my phone was dead because I had woke I fell asleep. It was, I, but, so, my phone is dead. 
So I'm playing this game with myself while I'm charging my phone. I'm like, okay, it was 17-7 when you, when you went to sleep. What do you think the score is? And I'm playing this game. Ah, Georgia, 38-17. I was on track. I said, I wonder if TCU made it close. Maybe it was 41-34 TCU made it close. Uh, I don't know. My phone charges up. I click it on. I go, oh, my God. Yeah. And then I check my text messages, and my son sends me a text. We should be the national champions. Obviously, he's talking about Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> Other friends of mine have sent me texts talking about, oh, my God, TCU destroyed. And uh, I just didn't see that kind of uh, – I didn't see that kind of game coming. No, it, it was because Georgia played their A game and TCU obviously didn't play their A game. And it was, I mean, my God, it was embarrassing. I mean, TC, it looked like Georgia was playing an FCS school. They were throwing guys out of the way. The athleticism, no matter what TCU tried, it wasn't going to work. It was, I've never seen anything like that at, at uh, that well, level of the season. Check this out, man. Um, and this is a good this is a good um, deal for some other people, which is I mean people who follow the game and don't really understand. You know what what I'm getting to is people who say oh it doesn't matter if you got five stars on your team or four <laughs> okay. star. It's about developing players and this or that. And Matt and I have always tried to say okay Alabama gets signs five five star guys this year. Doesn't mean that all five of those guys play to their potential. What if three of them play to their potential right. and the other two are bust and end up either backups or transferring somewhere? That's three guys playing at an NFL level eventually. Well, if you do just do that by the recruiting classes, you got 12 of those guys by the time that they're, quote, seniors or juniors or whatever. Well, if you got 12 of those guys and I got none of them or one of them, unless you help me out with turnovers and big plays, I literally just can't win. Um, it's no different, bro. And I've told you this before. Duncanville, best team in Texas, a dominant high school football team. They got like 10 D1 players. Well, why is it that they get blown out when they play IMG the two, one or two times they played them? Because IMG has 22 D1 starters and 22 beats 10 and they eventually wear you down and beat you. And that's what you saw in the national championship game. Yep. And like I had said, and part of the reason why I was going nuts on Twitter during the game, I mean, you got to realize, like I put it, like where I work in Birmingham is the number one market for college football. So we put a lot of time and energy into college football around here. And I mean, I spent countless hours researching and, and watching different stuff on these guys. And, in, you know, I watched TCU a handful of times this year. I watched every single Georgia game. And so I, I was sitting here offering a very educated opinion and I would have people coming back. That's stupid. TCU is going to win. You're, you're way overrating Georgia. And I just and I heard that from multiple people. And so finally, when I was like, oh, who's right now? MFR. <laughs> it was kind of like that type of attitude. And I even said that today. I was like, because I had a guy that called in yesterday, didn't call. He, he shot a message or whatever. He goes, you don't know what you're talking about. Acting like TCU needs help is stupid. TCU can easily beat Georgia. It'll be 35 to 23. And I responded. I wow. said, okay, I said, fine. You think TCU is going to win? Cool. But don't act like they're going to win by double digits. That's just asinine. I mean, Georgia, it, coming into the game, Georgia was 28 and one in their last 29 games. Their one loss was to Alabama. 
in the SEC title game. Every every single other game they'd played, they'd won by double digits except three. One of those to Ohio State. Like there's only three teams in this country that are equal talent wise. Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. And I I mean, Georgia had 68 four and five star players. TCU had 17. Think about that. 68. 60. That's a big ass number, bro. Yeah, man. And like you just looked at all this and I kept I and I said the same thing that you said. And I said that the entire week after TCU beat Michigan. And I think it's funny, too, because people are like, oh, look how TCU beat Michigan. You mean the Michigan team that threw them two pick sixes and fumbled in the end zone and the TCU team that allowed 39 points in the second half that game? Because if Michigan only throws one pick six and fumbles in the end zone, they probably win the game. But they threw two pick sixes. I mean, who, where, how the hell does that happen? Well, it's what did I just say? And I wasn't even referring to Michigan. No, I know. They, but have, that's the they thing. have to have some help to right. beat you. And, and like everybody kept going back to Ohio State, Miami in 02. The last time there was a line this big in a title game, they will look at look, Ohio State did it. And I said, OK, yes, nobody wants to bring up the idea that Ohio State had five takeaways in that game were plus three in turnover margin and the game still went to overtime. Again, it's the same point. <laughs> exactly. I, I, so, no. And I flat out said, I said, look. TCU cannot win this game if they are not at least plus two or better in turnover margin. They can't win it. And lo and behold, look what happened. I thought the biggest deal was that Quentin Johnson only had one pass for three yards. Man, they just, they could not get any separation. I mean, think about this. So they ran 51 plays for 188 yards. 60 of that came on a broken coverage play when both of the Georgia DBs took Quentin Johnson and the TCU wide receiver Davis was wide open for a 60-yard completion. So outside yeah. of that, Georgia held TCU, that TCU offense, to 128 yards on their other 50 plays. You know, and, you know, I, I think um, it is what it is. Georgia is obviously a dominant team. Uh, but I think TCU deserved to be there. To me, it had more of a Super Bowl feel to it, which is you get behind early, you start pressing, and it's just not your day. We've seen a bunch of Super Bowls where a team's been blown out and you go, well, it's not that they didn't deserve to be there. They just, it wasn't their day. It got rolling backwards. They started pressing and you get what you get. We've seen it, you know, we see it all the time, really. And so uh, I feel bad for them because, dude, when you haven't been there for, in, you know, as long as they've been there, who knows yeah. if they'll ever get back to take that kind of ass kicking. <laughs> it's just Man. hard. And I understand it. You know, we got beat. How bad did Florida beat us? 41-14 in 07? Uh, that ain't no good feel. No, man. And I, I kept thinking of like Harrison, who we used to work with over there at ESPN radio. He was at the game. He went. He, he was a TCU graduate. So Chris Gross was a TCU graduate. I, I don't even know how many people I know that graduated from TCU, but I get on Facebook last night and I, I know 10 people personally that were TCU alums at the game in California. And I just kept thinking, man, that sucks that, I mean, think about the round trip airfare in that short amount of time, by the way, to book your ticket to LAX, and then you got to drive down to SoFi, you got to pay for transportation, you're paying to stay there in LA for a couple of days to see that? Yeah, but it's a once in a lifetime experience, bro. Yeah, man, and I just felt, because for some of those people, I just felt so bad that something you probably never thought you'd actually see in your life, and that's how it ends, and 
you know, now they're going to, we got one more year in the current system and then they're going to expand to 12 teams. And I actually think it's going to be harder for teams like TCU and Cincinnati to have a shot because they'll get into the playoff. But one thing that nobody else was bringing up either that you didn't hear a lot of, TCU had 28 days to prepare for Michigan, to get healthy. They played a tough physical battle against Michigan and then had to turn around eight days later and play a team like Georgia. And when you don't have Kendra Miller, they lost one of their tackles in the first quarter. They don't have the talent and the depth that's just ready to plug and play and step right in like a Georgia does or some of these other teams that are used to playing that gauntlet week in and week out. I just think it's going to be really difficult because any given Saturday, TCU can beat anybody at any given time. But to me, the question is, okay, cool. In an expanded playoff, can you beat Michigan, then beat Georgia, then turn around and beat Ohio State, then turn around and beat Alabama in four straight weeks to win a national title? I'm going to go a step further, bro. I don't even want all these extra teams in the playoffs. I think we'll just get more blowouts. I mean, we can't even get four and get four good games and get three good games. Most of the time, one of those is a blowout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I think the, I, I think it's fine as it is. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, I mean, the expansion, is, it's, it's a done deal, and, and I agree with you. I, I think you're going to see – now, you will see. You'll see some surprising games, like the TCU-Michigan game probably surprised a lot of people. I think you'll see some of those, and I actually think – once you chisel it down because you're going to have more deep elite teams playing each other like Ohio State probably makes a playoff pretty much every year Georgia Alabama you know some of these teams that are good are going to be in the final four every year so I actually think semifinal and title games will end up being better but to your point there's gonna there's gonna be some slaughters in the first round there's no doubt yeah none whatsoever So with that out of the way, before we get to Todd Archer, if we may, I'd like to tell you about Smokey John's Barbecue. I hope you're enjoying Smokey John's. I hope you've had a chance to enjoy Smokey John's. If you haven't, why haven't you? Go grab lunch. If you haven't tried the Jam Session Bowl, I I honestly would love to know why you haven't gone to try that yet. Even if you're like, well, I don't live close to downtown Dallas, go on the weekend. Go plan a a weekend trip, head into Dallas, Swing by Smokey John's, walk in, order the Jam Session Bowl. It's only, I mean, they literally created this for all of you listening so that you guys and them can feel like you're a part of the Jam Session family together while you're snacking on it. Dude, and the Jam Session Bowl is fantastic. I've never heard anyone say anything other than, oh my God, this is greatness. That's true. And what it is, it's a uh, mashed potatoes and macaroni base. Uh, your choice of two out of five smoked meats. Uh, they measure it, so they f- they fill up your bowl, man. And then they put a bunch of uh, toppings you find on a baked potato, like, you know, chives and sour cream and butter and bacon bits, man. They drizzle it with that Smoky Giant sauce. And it is, as we say, to live for. Not mm. to die for, but to live for. It is. And it is fantastic. So check them out at Smoky John's Bro- Barbecue. I was going to say Smoky John's Brothers because it's the brothers that own it. But it's Smoky John's Barbecue. They're good dudes, man. They support us, so support them and check them out. Right there off of Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas in between 35 and Love Field. Or you can order their sauce or their rub. I've got a bottle of their sauce in my fridge here in Alabama right now at SmokyJohns.com. Click on Smokey's Market. They'll ship it to you wherever you are. All right, here he is. Time, as we do each week, to check in with our ESPN Cowboys NFL Nation reporter, Todd Archer, joining us. What do you make of it, Todd? Is, is that how you, you thought the Cowboys would launch into the playoffs with whatever that crap was that we saw on Sunday? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever that was. It was so not like their last 10 games, right? Right. I mean, it was just, it was pathetic and, and all around. Like, you know, Dak was bad. The line was bad. The receivers were bad. And, you know, you can say, oh, the defense gave him a chance and, uh, you know, blah, blah. They're playing Sam Howell. Like, he ran through their defense for a touchdown. Like, it, it was the worst possible way to go into the playoffs. And the question becomes, what does it all mean? And I don't know, because they won 51 to 20-something to end last year, and they lost in the playoffs to San Francisco at home. So we'll see. These guys have, like, ridden momentum into the playoffs and lost. They've gone into the playoffs without momentum and won, you know, I don't know. To me, throw out the Washington game, it's Tom Brady, it's the playoffs, you're 0-7 against Tom Brady. There has to be some kind of advantage that goes Tampa's way just because of that, even if the Buccaneers are 8-9. I don't put any, this is just your boy here, I don't put any stock into uh, they haven't won a road playoff game since 92 because they haven't played that many. Uh, I put even less stock into they've never beaten Brady because this Dak is 0-2 against them, so I give him that. Well, uh, he's not. He's 0-3. I, oh, okay. I guess I better make that fix in the column. Um, he lost well, in 2019 I, up in New England. Ah, I was 13-9. And then they lost. Uh, yeah, well, they playing that game too, by the way. And Brady was terrible as well. But yeah, I guess I'm I'm all curious about the quarterback because uh, you know I don't think the head coach is going anywhere. That's just me. But the the quarterback was brought to win was hired or signed to his four year hundred forty million dollar deal to win playoff games. And while Dak is one of my favorite people on the planet uh, as a as an athlete. Uh, I can say nothing bad about him that way. Uh, he hadn't played good to me the last couple of weeks, and I'm just like, he just looked all out of sorts and out of sync, and how's he going to fix it uh, in the next four or five days, bro? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's seven straight games with an interception. It's three pick sixes in the last four games. Um, what was concerning to me about the Washington game, when we see Dak have these picks, whether his fault, not his fault, whatever you want to say, he's figured it out. He's found a rhythm. He's got hot. He had the worst completion percentage of his career in that game. He, he missed on eight straight passes at one point. Like, I, I don't know if he's ever done that. Like, I, I wonder if he ever did it at Mississippi State or hot in high school. Like, the, it was it, it was bad all around. And maybe his feet were moving too fast and he couldn't get set. And, but to me, it, again, the, the pick six, just the decision. The ball never goes there on that coverage. It doesn't go there. And not only did it go there, it went there on back-to-back plays that Kendall Fuller should have picked the first one off. Like, I, I just – that's the stuff that's mind-boggling to me is the decision-making uh, that, that has led to some of these interceptions because that's not been Dak. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then the other part that was confusing is he starts throwing these shots down the field. It's like, dude, you can't – score a 15-point touchdown, like, you know, you're just hunting, peck your way a little bit, get hot, and then finally take a chance. Don't sit there and go for the kill shot. And, oh, by the way, one of those deep balls was to Noah Brown. I like Noah Brown. He's a good dude. He worked hard. He's a good player. He's done a lot of good things this year. 
he doesn't need to be getting the ball in key situations. Am, am, am I wrong? Like, no, I mean, it should go to CD. Lead in touches. It, it should go to CD. It, it, yeah, it should go to CD. It should go to Dalton Schultz. When you absolutely positively need to play, I'd rather go to T.Y. Hilton at this point than, than, than either uh, Noah Brown or Michael Gallup, the way that it's going. Um, but but Dak better turn around because everything you said, Jock, is it, you know, that, that contract, he got the contract because he thought he was going to, the Cowboys thought he was going to be the guy to take him to the Super Bowl. If you're paying a guy, well, he's the next one that gets paid, then it's a poor decision that you made. You pay the guy the money because you think he's going to get to the Super Bowl, and now he has to deliver. It's year seven. We talked about this months ago. Anybody who's been their team starter this long on the, on the club that's drafted them, there's only three guys since 1980 that have taken their team to the Super Bowl for the first time that have taken this long. Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning, and Ken Anderson. So in reality, it's not going to happen because it's only happened in three of the last 1980 to 40-something Super Bowls, right? So Correct. this is a – the Cowboys are going to have to make their make a decision that if on Dak beyond 2024, well before they get to 2024. They have to. He's either your guy and you extend him and you'd want to do it this year, but how do you extend him if you go one and done in the playoffs again? When so he's led the league in interceptions. Of, right, and you led the league in interceptions. So you have to at least think about, consider. I'm not saying they have to do it, but you have to consider taking a quarterback early in the draft process. When you look at the roster composition and what you have coming up in free agency this year, next year, and the year after with Diggs, Lamb, Micah Parsons, these guys that you want to pay, it's hard to pay them all when you get a quarterback making 40, counting $49 million against the cap. What do you make now that they move forward going to Tampa? And, and we've talked about this before. I mean, you've, you've got that wild stat that we all forget about. The last time they won three road playoff games, you know, you got to go back to before I was born to collectively find three in their history. Now they've got to do three in a row, most likely to make it to a Super Bowl. This is a team that went four and four on the road this year. Now, one of those was Philadelphia. One of those was the crap in Washington, two overtime losses. But do they have a road problem? Is it a different team on the road as they prepare to go into Tampa Bay this weekend or next Monday? Yeah, like, I don't know if they have a road problem because, like you said, two of those games they lost in overtime. One of them, I guess, is to a team that was pretty good now if we look at Jacksonville and the way they're playing and how they got into the postseason. Um, And one of them is, the other overtime loss was to Green Bay at Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And again, Dak with some early decision-making that, that got themselves um, in trouble. I don't I don't know if they have a road problem necessarily because it's hard to win on the road, right? I mean, there's a lot of teams that probably wish they were 4-4 four and four on the road. They might even be in the playoffs. Um, I think they just need to play. I don't think there's a grass problem. I know they've lost, what, four or five games on, on, on grass this year. I don't think that's an issue. Um I just think they just – we do this all the time. We try to – well, they had poor chemistry. Oh, well, it was this guy's fault. Oh, or, or no, beyond that guy. It's chemistry. It's, oh, the coaches. Oh, is it – they just need to play good football. Like, it's not freaking brain surgery. You know what I'm saying? It's just play the game and, and get off to a good start. And I think that's been an issue with them in the playoffs, you know, the last couple of times. It's San Francisco, bad start. Green Bay, Dak's rookie year, bad start. Um, 
the Rams game, I actually think it was tied until, but the defense didn't stop anybody that day. So I don't know how much you put that on the offense, but they, they, they need to get off to a good start. Here's a positive stat. You ready? Huh, yeah. Mike McCarthy has won one Super Bowl. He was a wild card team in 2010. The Packers won three straight road games. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's see what their what was their road record that year. They Four were hold on here. Oh, and one and oh, one and one, one and two, uh, one and three. One and four, one and five. Oh my gosh, what was it? Oh, this, this is fantastic. Back? Excellent. <laughs> Hold on. Oh and one, oh and two, oh and three, one and three, two and three, two and three, two and four. They were three and five on the road that year, your Green Bay Packers were. Okay. And oh, by the way, that year they had two overtime losses, although only one was on the road. <laughs> so we got some parallels here, boys. Okay. Those are positives. I'll take all that. Why not? Uh, what's the plan at left corner where I wouldn't throw at Trayvon Diggs if I could throw it to those other collection of guys? Yeah, and it's funny, you know, Dan Quinn was talking about it, McCarthy talking about it to us on Monday that, you know, we were able to look at some guys and, you know, it was good to see them under fire and we know what we're going to do. And they're not telling us what they're going to do. But, like, I was like, do you have any answers? Like, did Trayvon Mullen inspire some confidence that you want to put him in there? I don't know. He had a big penalty, and he gave up a deep throw. We know Calvin Joseph doesn't inspire any confidence. Does it inspire confidence to go to Xavier Rhodes, who you just signed last week? I mean, if that's the case, that you if you were to go to him, then that's a hit and a hope. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, you're going to throw him in the slot and leave Deron Bland outside? Maybe, but I don't know if Alexander did all that great in the one game he played uh, this year. And, oh, by the way, he's bad on a groin injury too. So, I, I guess, you know, the good thing they, they were saying, well, the good thing is we have options. Well, if all your options have warped, then does it really matter who you throw out there? My gut tells me that they're going to stick with Nashawn Wright outside and – just because he's been here the longest, they know him the best. I can't. I have a hard time thinking that they can go to Xavier Rose. I have a hard time thinking that they're going to go to Trayvon Mullen. I just think they're going to go with what they know. That's kind of been their whole draft and develop philosophy, right? So, I, I that's my guess. But the best I can give you is a guess. I apologize, but you're right. Well, and and here's the deal. Like, yeah, you're not going to throw really to uh, Trayvon Diggs kind of way. But I don't know if it's because you're not throwing at Trayvon because the other guy is covered or the guy's opposite and just struggling. Like, it's not like Trayvon shutting guys down and stuff and you just don't want to. It's not Dion, right? So I, I do wonder if the Cowboys, do they put Diggs on Mike Evans and just say follow him all over the field? I would. Maybe that's a, maybe that's the plan that they go. They, they've done that with him matching up against number one guys this season. Maybe that's the plan that they continue to do. I wouldn't then just take your chances on the double team with the other guys if you want to. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the first game last year I'm trying to remember you know, Evans only had three catches for 24 yards. I don't remember if Diggs followed him around, but I do remember Anthony Brown running by or, or what's Crazy Man Brown? Used to play. No, 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 Brown for them, for the he, crazy Brown. Antonio, he played Brown. For the Steelers. Oh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I remember Antonio Brown running by 
Anthony Brown. I remember Chris Godwin going for 100, and Gronk had a big day as well. So um, I, I do like when I turn it on the radio today and listen to people. Well, they got to get a pass rush against Tom Brady. Good luck with that. He doesn't hold the ball enough for them to get. This is this is not a week to expect that. This has to be the week where you affect the quarterback, which I hate to say because that means you're not getting to the quarterback. But this has to be the week where you affect him because Brady's going to get rid of the ball. He doesn't get sacked, so it doesn't it doesn't matter how good your pass rush is. You're probably not going to get him on the ground. The offense for the Cowboys, as putrid as it was on, on Sunday, I mean, what can you pinpoint, if anything, the, the rushing woes where you look at, I mean, the last four games Tony Pollard has played, 45 for 155. Zeke's been worse than his last month. This rushing attack all of a sudden is just ground to a halt. I mean, is it as simple as saying, well, they haven't had Tyler Biotish? Well, Tyler Biotish played in every other game that they struggled in, too, before the no, true. game. Yeah. It, the, the, the running game struggles didn't start last week. It's been about a month-long process. And, and some of it, right, is, you know, it gets masked in the number of carries, but their yards per carry in the last few games has not been good. Uh, so, th- again, this isn't a, well, Tony Pollard didn't play against Tennessee, so you got to throw that game out. Emmett could have played against Tennessee at his prime, and he wasn't going to go for 100 yards with the way that was. I mean, the last – Couple, let's see, Jacksonville, 3.8 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. They had 41 carries for 154 yards. You'll kind of take that, right? I mean, now you lost the game, but if you're going to run the ball that much and you had 154 yards, you're not going to complain. 3.7 yards against Philadelphia. Um, what did I say? 3.7 yards per carry against Philly. 115 carry uh, yards on 31 carries. Some of that is you're, you're running late. Da, 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 da. 2.7 yards against Tennessee, and then we know what happened last week against Washington. So it is the – you hate – I hate saying this, but it is a little bit of everybody, but they miss Biotish. I think they miss having Tyler Smith in play well against Washington. Ultimately, they'd like to have Tyler Smith back at left tackle, McGovern at left guard, Biotish at center. And then, you know, Tyron's been okay at right tackle. Nothing great. Um and, but I don't want to turn Terrence Steele into Rayfield right either. So thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> they got they got to they got to figure it out. And you know, I don't think this Tampa run defense is what the Tampa run defense has been the last couple of years. Right when it you now Bay is still there, but they had Sue. They had all right. Remember the opener uh, in twenty one, the Cowboys didn't run the ball. And then they wildly said, well, we're not going to run the ball. And they, they were, they were smart to just kind of give up, give up on the run. I don't think Tampa's defense is as strong as it has been against the run. So that offers you some, yeah, they're allowing 121 yards a game on the ground this year, middle of the pack in the NFL. Mm. So that gives you some hope. So would you start the game trying to hammer with the run, or would you let Dak attack with the pass? Uh, Jacques, I'm going to be balanced, and I'm going to take what, aggressively take what the uh, defense gives us. <laughs> How about that? Is that a good, uh, good non-answer a, answer from a, a good offensive Jason coordinator or quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm probably going to try and run the ball and make sure I'm in 
good third down situations because when they have been before the Washington game, they've been the best third down league in the team in in the NFL. So um, they, I want to see them run the ball and be stubborn with it to an extent. But again, the, the, the Tampa defense isn't as much as Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. This Tampa defense is not what it has been the last couple of years. They have good linebackers, obviously, but their their secondary is kind of coming back into play a little bit. Um, if the Cowboys win this game, I think they have to score 30 points. Wow. All right. I mean, they've been scoring it. All that's right. what they average. So, you know, hit your average and uh, let's take it home. Uh, what do you think about Mike McCarthy, his future after this if they lose? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's easy to sit here and say, I think all the people who bring that stuff up have never been to the star and, and understand Jerry. They just like think they know Jerry from a distance. So, oh, this is what Jerry's going to do. Um, now, we've seen him do it before, fire a coach after back-to-back playoff season. He did it at Chan Gailey, 98-99. The, but that, that was a end-of-era triplets team they kind of knew they weren't going anywhere. And Jerry has called that move a mistake. It would surprise me if they were to move on from Mike McCarthy um, if they lose this week. But I, I can't rule it out because there is an element of of Jerry being Jerry and you just never know. So what does that mean? Is it a 5%? I, I would put it at 5% or less that, that a move would be made. And – I'll say it to you guys, and I said it to y'all before, and I said it to all the. I don't think Sean Payton will be this team's next head coach. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that ship has sailed. I, 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 they'd have to give up so much to the Saints. They'd have to give up so much money to Sean. I, I just don't see that thing happening um, at all. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong on all these fronts. But I mean, McCarthy. Why does it – let me ask you guys a question. It hangs on McCarthy that he only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Why does it not hang on Sean Payton that he only won one Super mm-hmm. Bowl with Drew Brees? Sean Payton had three straight seven and nine seasons at one point there in his New Orleans tenure. Mike McCarthy's 20th all-time and in, in wins. Like – more than Sean Payton. It might be because he now has one more season than Sean. Um, But he passed him this year and wins. Like, I I just don't know. I'm asking the question. Why is Sean Payton painted as this guru when if you just blind resume this stuff, I don't know who would pick McCarthy's resume or, or Sean's resume over McCarthy if he just had the straight numbers without names on on your front of you, what you would pick. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, because what Peyton have three NFC title games and, and McCarthy went to more than that. He went to four. Did Sean go to three? Yeah, I think so. Did he just go to two? Maybe maybe it was just the two. Was he I'm there sure. was he there the year that they went when they lost it when the Bears went in 06? Was was Peyton the coach then? Yes, because that was the year that the Cowboys thought that yeah, okay. they could have. Yeah, because it would have been that year, and then the year they won the Super Bowl, obviously. And then, of course, the Rams debacle in, in 2018. Those would be the three, I, if I recall, in the NFC title game. 
So yeah. I don't know, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting. I don't know why, even if you lose this game to Tampa, why would you want to get rid of the coach who finally got you to the playoffs back-to-back, who finally got you 10-plus wins back-to-back? I, I, I just think the collective body of work of what we've seen the last two years, I, I don't know that you're just guaranteeing if you make a coaching change at this point because you lost a playoff game that you've got a guy that can come in here and do what Mike McCarthy just did the last couple seasons. Yeah, I think the other part of that is, is um, you know, and Arch can speak to it as well. You know, what people don't take and uh, fire the coach. Well, okay, fine, that's cool. You fire the coach. That means the new coach comes in and he wants his types of players who have his types of bodies, who have his types of this or that. And, you know, you're changing more than just a coach. You're changing out the whole team even more than usual. And it's not an easy process when you put a new coach in if you do it right and if you've got a guy that you like, a guy that you got who's winning, then there's no reason to push that button. Yeah, and and this is where you walk the tricky line of like, unless you can guarantee you're, guarantee you're going to get more success with the new coach, why make the change? And I don't know if there's any guarantee out there, but but then that runs into the, well, then why change a coach ever? Jason Garrett should still be the team's coach, you know, in, in that respect. Um, it's just weird. Like, honestly, I think it just comes down to, Sean has more national guys on his side to pump up the narrative that he's a guru than Mike. Right? I mean... Yeah, it could be. It makes sense. I mean, seriously, I, I might want to... This could be a fun story to do at some point. Just like blind... You know how they do that with the uh, in the NCAA tournament where they, they post the team's records and their RPIs oh, yeah. and their uh, staggerings and all those things and you list the big wins and the bad losses. If you did a blind resume... On, on both of these coaches, would you know who you were picking? I, I wonder what the, the what the turnout turnaround or turnout would be if how many people would pick McCarthy over Sean. And I, I think everybody wants to connect the dots to Sean. Maybe not so much because of his great success in New Orleans, or or the fact that everybody thinks he and Jerry are drinking buddies and they have a lot of fun together. And remember that time in, in Indianapolis where. Sean sold Jerry's bottle of Seamus at, at St. Elmo after they won the Super Bowl and he autographed it and, you know, all that. And, oh, Sean had a great history here with uh, the Cowboys as their quarterback's coach from 2003 to 2005. It wasn't like he was here as long as Mike Zimmer was here, right? He was here three years. Like, uh, <laughs> and, then I, and then, again, what are the Cowboys really good at, right? Really good at compared to a lot of teams in the league. What are they really good at? They're really good at drafting. So now you're going to have to give up multiple draft picks of high-level picks to get him here to make your team worse while you're going to be heading into a situation where you you need these picks to offset the salary cap issues you have because you have so many high-priced guys coming up or high-priced guys on your roster. Plus you got to so, $13 million. Right. Plus that too. That was gonna be the last, the last one. So again, it's easy to connect the dots because you know we all, we've all played two plus two equals four in this thing for so long. But then when you actually look at the dots, it probably doesn't slide into the puzzle as quick as easily as you think. No, I would agree with you. I, I'm to me, McCarthy. I, I think has done a fine job the past two seasons. You want the playoff success. We'll see how it turns out. How? How do you have it, Todd? Who, who's going to come away with this thing on Monday night? Are the Cowboys going to advance? I hate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
I could easily cop out and say it's only Tuesday. I've got six more days to change my mind. <laughs> They're a better team than Tampa, right? I mean, if you just looked at it, you would say the Cowboys are better. Mm-hmm. Statistically, they're better. Um, we know what Tampa is and isn't offensively. I can't imagine Tampa is all of a sudden just going to come out here and score so many points and look so prolific offensively when they've not done that all year. Now, the Cowboys have given up 15 pass plays of 20 yards or more in the last three games to quarterback legends Gardner Minshew, Joshua Dobbs, and Sam Howell. So there might be something there that is that could lead Tom Brady to think, if I hold on to it just a little bit more, I can get something to Godwin, I can get something to Mike Evans. And oh, by the way, the last time the, the Bucks played a real game, they played, what did Brady play, a half in week 18? Yeah. Something Didn't like he and Mike Evans go for 200 yards together? So it's I, I, the Cowboys should win. Doesn't mean the Cowboys will win. But I'm going to go with the anti-Navy jersey jinx and say the Cowboys leave Tampa with a with a win since they're going Navy jerseys and white pants against uh, the Bucks and they went three and one in Navy, Navy jerseys this year. So All that's right. the scientific breakdown right there. That's what it comes down to. What color are the jerseys that they're wearing? Well, that's why I like only to hear. on the gym. <laughs> what a week Sam podcast. You get yeah, that there you go. Yeah, based on the color of jersey. And then yep. all, all you have to have happen, the Giants and the Seahawks win, and the Cowboys will host the Giants on divisional round. So that'll be great. <laughs> is that what I would, that what I would think of? There you go. Oh, That's all that needs to happen. As, as so, long as okay, the, let's, the Giants could beat the Vikings. They almost won up there during the regular season, right? I kind of think they will win. I actually think that'll be the upset of the NFC that they'll somehow do that. I, I don't buy into Minnesota at all. I, I can't. Well, and the Niners are not going to lose to Seattle. No, so. no, they won't. So then the Cowboys would go to San Francisco under that plan, right? Right. The Giants win? Yeah, that, that would be what it is because, yeah, the Giants would go to Philly as the six and the one. And then Dallas would be in San Francisco to avenge last year's playoff loss this time at their house and then the and next thing you know you're, you're in the nfc title game arizona now boy i mean there would we go rather, would you rather play philly or san francisco philly i would too in what the second round or an nfc title game second round ever <laughs> i'd probably rather play san francisco in the second round because Eventually, Brock Purdy has to be Brock Purdy, right? You think so? Eventually, I mean, yeah, you would think so. I don't, I don't know that I fear Brock Purdy dropping dimes on you. I mean, that's actually a good point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want, fear I don't their actual receivers as much as I would with Philadelphia with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. I mean, my God, one of them would just go bonkers on the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't. I don't, uh, don't want to deal with their defense right now. The way Dallas is playing, and and I don't want to deal with their running game. <laughs> yeah, and okay, so they would have, and they would be on a short week. Would you rather go to Philly or San Francisco? I don't know. Plus, you can make the case either way, I guess. On plus, stuff, I know right? Philly. I know what they're all about. We're rivals. We play all the time. I just have to execute to beat them. But nothing that they do do I go. Oh, okay, I can't handle it. Yeah, that is easy. 
but then but then you have to play. So then, what, what's your face going into the NFC title game in San Francisco? Then you'd have none, right? I mean, I'd say I'd say if I beat Brady and then I beat the number one seed, yeah, bring on anybody. I'm yeah, man. Team. Because then why not? And then you know it's your year. You're in the Super Bowl. And yeah, oh. you play Buffalo again, and obviously Buffalo can't beat Dallas in a Super Bowl, so champions. There it is. <laughs> That's pretty easy. And Matt is now preparing for the parade. <laughs> I just yep. might be. I don't know. If, if, if they get past the divisional round, my, my excitement will be on a level I haven't, I mean, I haven't experienced in high school. It'll be totally different. I don't know how to, I can't fathom this. I've, I've accepted this is a, you win a game and then you lose your next one. I just accept that's what this is. <laughs> right. You're not wrong based on history. That's just, it's easier. I, you know, they, they're welcome to prove me wrong. I hope they do, but I, I can't let myself. And, and that's the, like for, for the diehard Cowboys fans, not named Matt McLaren for the people who Jacques, who tweet us all the time and say, I hate this team, and until Jerry does the, sell the, sells the team, or if Jerry's got to fire this guy, or I knew these guys were going to choke all along. I just want to reply to some of those people and say, then why? Like, why are you watching? Like, don't put yourself through that misery if you're just going to be miserable anyway. So, enjoy life. Read a book. Like, watch something else. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what? Why stick with it at this point? If you're a fan, you should have faith. Yeah, you not, as Jock has often said, it's not our job to have faith in these guys. But if you're a fan, you should have the faith that at some point they're going to get it right. And maybe this is the year. Yeah, that's that's the hope. And every every playoff year you go into it and you think, okay. And you convince yourself that it's going to happen. And then every year you're disappointed. But yeah, maybe well, this is the year. year. Well, but not no. every year because they haven't made the playoffs every year. Well, that's so. true. <laughs> some, <laughs> some, some years you, your disappointment hits you in October and you realize what's going on. Yeah. So that's, that's a valid point. I always tell people, you know what, I'd, I'd rather, at least you got a shot, at least you're in this thing. I'd much rather be playing Tampa Bay than being at home and watching the playoffs and they don't have a shot. So I think they're going to yeah. win. I, I, I think I, I expect they'll win. And, and after that, I mean, we've talked about this a million times. Outside of San Francisco, who I think right now is the best team in the NFC, I, nobody really scares you, and I feel like they can beat anybody. We've seen them play at a level. They can beat anybody in the NFL. We've seen them play at a level like last Sunday that scares you. So I get it. Well, and that's, that's I was going to say, when you said they, they played at a level where they can beat everybody, and then the dot, 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 and they played yes. at, a, at a level where they can lose anybody. Like, th- that's that's what this team's MO has been, not just under McCarthy, but under Garrett, under Wade Phillips, under Parcell. Like, this is what they've been. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not yeah. like they – I mean, the, the only team that has more wins than the Cowboys over the last two years are the Chiefs. And they've been to the AFC title game how many years in a row now? Four? Four, I think is right, yeah. Um, so, you know – Eventually, the coin has to favor you on the flip here, and you're going to be right. But that game against Washington doesn't inspire any confidence that that they that this is the year, right? And I would be curious to think what everybody was thinking after they beat Philadelphia in Week 18 last year, 51 to 26. 
if they were thinking this is the year or they were thinking, oh, God, the one team you don't want to face in the wild card round is the Niners. And here come the Niners. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, at home and, and yeah, that <sighs> – Maybe this is great. You, you you look like crap. You got to play on the road against Tom Brady. You know, look, some of these streaks got to end. The the 0-8 out of their last eight road playoff games, the 0-7 against Brady all time, you can snap two 0 and, streaks. 0-4 in the playoffs when they've lost their last regular – they've lost the last four playoff games and they close the regular season with a playoff loss. There's another one for you. All right, see? So why not snap all these streaks all at once? And, and it just makes sense. You knock them all out on Monday night. All right, there you go. I'm, I've I've convinced us all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you I don't know I don't know if you convinced us, but well, you convinced me with the jersey because that's when I knew that's when I knew for sure they're winning. See, that's the insight you're gonna get. That's what right we need. There. All right, Todd Archer, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for the chat. All right. Yep. See you guys. See you. All right, bro. All right, there he goes, Todd Archer, our ESPN Cowboys insider. It's I don't know, man. It's mm, it's it's. <laughs> you want to believe you want to believe so bad you know what when he was talking about that about you know why not be positive and why not all this you ever see the movie boogie nights no so boogie nights is a movie about like the development of the porn industry in the 1970s mark Wahlberg's in it burt reynolds william h macy philip seymour hoffman it's got a phenomenal don Cheadle, phenomenal cast really right. interesting paul thomas anderson movie well william h macy plays this character who he comes home multiple times and his wife is in bed with another man and he he'll be like i mean what that but that that's my wife and then he just walks away and then one day he comes home and she's in bed with another man he's like that but that's my wife and he just goes and and gets a gun and does what he does you know and (laughs) and i feel like that's cowboys fans every time i think about that i feel like i just think of that character in that movie where it's like he kept coming home and he kept hoping that one day dinner would be made and, and she'd be ready for him instead of in bed with another dude. And I feel like that's the Cowboys in the playoffs. Like I keep, I keep opening the door and I'm like, come on. Ah, no, you're still doing that. Okay. And I still have hope you're in and you're out when they're in the playoffs that <laughs> it's going to be different. Uh, well, maybe this is the year. Maybe. See, we don't know. I don't know. No, but I'm not feeling good about him right now. So, I'm not either. But as Jim Carrey said, and Aaron Andrews totally screwed this up in the broadcast before the Washington game, as Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the Jam Session Podcast. We'll be back for you on Friday, really diving into this Cowboys playoff matchup. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.